Odd People, you are listening to The Universe Unhinged, your weekly news for all things bizarre. I'm Chris. And I'm Liz. Uh, so are you sitting down right now? I sure am. Okay, because you are going to want to be sitting down for this amazing news that is about to blow your mind. Ooh, I'm ready. Okay. Hit me with it. This week... Located in Bethnal Green, London, the world's first, are you ready for this? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The world's first vagina museum is reopening. <laughs> it is reopening. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, what I love about this is I love how it says the first. It doesn't, it, it says it's not says, the only no no no. it doesn't say the one and only it says the first <laughs> otherwise they would they have said like the one and only if it was the one and only i don't know like are the there multiple that uh i guess my question was are like the vaginas um are they real vaginas or are they like <laughs> porcelain vaginas so, okay so are this they is a museum. it's a museum is it just a bunch of naked women just <laughs> just random uh or uh showing... like models that stand around yeah <laughs> just showing their pride off no so it's a museum that takes a holistic view of vaginas it takes yeah it takes a look at the view of vaginas the people and animals that have them and at the same time, stressing cultural issues around them. <laughs> and it says that they also offer free collections and displays, paid night events, and community outreach opportunities. <laughs> oh, and my. The Vagina Museum has been organizing quizzes, comedy nights, and crochet classes since its <gasps> opening. <laughs> okay i okay i would like to say though i've got them pulled up and the first thing i noticed is they've got crochet yes. earrings and i sincerely saw them and i was like those are actually quite cute <laughs> <laughs> okay so it says they have their very own gift shop where you can purchase crochet vaginas and yes in case you were wondering there is indeed a male counterpart museum as well the penis, that's what I, I was saying, like, is there a penis one? One wonders if this crochet vagina is part of a matching set. Like, oh my is it gosh. like his and her bath towels that can be purchased? I just don't know. <laughs> oh my gosh. I have, s- okay, I just need to explain what I'm experiencing right now as you're walking me through this. I looked up the <laughs> vagina museum. I sincerely, as I'm looking through the stuff, I was like, this seems sweet. It's odd. It's definitely in the weird world, but sweet. Yeah. Then you look up the penis museum and I am disturbed (laughs) by what I'm looking at. They have, they have penises on the wall that are like, um, you know, like, like when you've, when you've stuffed, you've taxidermied a deer and you put it on the wall. No, they do not. They've got penises but the penises are like like oddly discolored and very sharp oh. <laughs> they look like weaponized penises <laughs> weaponized is there like spikes on them i don't <laughs> yes yes there are <laughs> this is so this just took a weird this got dark 
So if anyone is out there looking for unique wedding gift ideas, I mean, you're you're welcome. You are welcome. <laughs> wow, that is something. Uh, the, the dreams that people have these days. I tell you. Well, thank you for sharing. Oh, we should go there one day. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, on another note, I did want to ask you, have you, um, did you ever do your own sock experiment at home that we talked about a couple weeks ago? So I did. For those of, for anyone who like hasn't heard or didn't, didn't listen to this last episode, we did, you, you had shared a story where this woman left a sock in her home and waited for someone in the house to pick it up. Yep. I did the same thing, and mine has gone very different. (laughs) Um, So I left the first sock there, and it lasted there for maybe like two days. Then all of a sudden it was gone. And I think I was on the phone with you, and I was like, it's gone. And then I said to you, I think I said I'm going to leave another one. Well, I left the other one, and it was gone the next day. Then I left another one, and it was gone Dylan went on, he was gone for a couple days to do music. He came back. And then when he came back, it was gone. So (laughs) I just dropped another one yesterday. And I'm like, how many, now the experiment has become, how many socks (laughs) is he going to pick up in the exact same spot of the house (laughs) before he asks me, why are, why is there always a sock here? So he hasn't even asked yet. Like, hasn't said, and we're on, we're on the fourth sock right now. I've got the fourth sock sitting in the same corner of the hallway, the same angle. And he just keeps picking them up with no, I, I feel like I would be asking questions by this point. That, that is really funny. You know, what's also funny is Dan, after he listened to that, he did go and listen to that podcast. He's like, when did I? When did I pick up a sock? Like, he has no memory of even picking it up and setting it on the TV stand. And I'm like, you did. He's like, I don't I don't remember that. I'm like, you did. You put it on the TV stand right in front of me. And he, oh, he's arguing, gosh. saying, I don't. I don't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> so it'd be funny. Um, Maybe Dylan has no memory of, like, him actually picking up the sock. And he's just doing it. He's just doing oh. it. Well, I'm going to keep a tally. This is just going to be a running thing. We'll see how many socks he picks up each week. (laughs) I'll ask you next week. So how many socks are we on? (laughs) Yes. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to get into my first story here. So you just got married. Okay. And you received some lovely gifts for your wedding, including his and hers crocheted anatomy parts that I was telling you about. (laughs) Of course. Thank you so much for those, by the way. I loved them. I hope you guys are enjoying those. (laughs) Loved them. (laughs) All right. You leave them at home, of course, but prepare for the honeymoon of a lifetime on the beautiful island of Jamaica. Okay. I like this. So you had a blast all week, relaxing on the beach, trying out some Mm -hmm. rare foods, and even getting to know some of the locals. You don't Mm -hmm. want to leave, but your time is drawing to a close. On your final day there, you make a trip to the local markets for some shopping. You are buzzing your way in and out of the tents, where you buy a homemade beaded necklace, a lovely scarf, and maybe perhaps a few banana hammocks. Who knows? I don't know. (laughs) Go along Wait, with isn't your... a banana hammock a man <laughs> yes. in a speedo? 
Why am I buying a man in a speedo? <laughs> what else is, is a is a banana hammock anything other than that? No, according to the episode of Friends, it is not. <laughs> what? You don't remember that episode of Friends? Where no, I don't. Phoebe changes her name to like Princess Consuela Banana oh, Hammock. Banana Hammock, yes, I do. And yes, then, do. um, what's her fiance's name? I can't, I can't remember her his name. But then he's all like, "You do realize that a banana hammock is not what you think it a banana hammock is." <laughs> <laughs> so from there, she uh, decides that okay, perhaps that's not the best uh, name or whatever. But yeah. <laughs> So wait, where are we at in the story? So I'm still you're, confused. You're shopping right now for for banana hammocks, I guess. Apparently, I don't know why. So okay, <laughs> this, is, this is a kinky honeymoon. So you are on your way to the resort when you turn a corner and you find your way down a street you are unfamiliar with. When you spot him, a naked man. Ashy, dirty skin, eyes rolled up in his head, and stiff limbs just sort of lurching all about. You are hmm. certain he is a zombie. I mean, he looks exactly like you've seen in the movies, like a zombie would. Um, wow. Not wanting to get too close, you back away and head back into the crowded markets. You tell one of the locals about what you had just seen, and they too confirm that what you saw was indeed a zombie. What? What do you think? I think the guy has some sort of illness. Like he, like leprosy? I don't know. Obviously not leprosy. I don't think those symptoms it's are It's actually that, but... even weirder than that. <laughs> okay. So BuzzFeed did an article this past week about people that shared the creepiest things that they witnessed in broad daylight. Uh, mm. And this was one of them. So here's what this person wrote. And it reads as follows. I saw a zombie... I was working in Kingston, Jamaica at the time in the late 80s when I saw it that day. A naked man, ashy, dirty skin, eyes rolled up in his head, and stiff limbs just sort of lurching through traffic in Jamaica. I asked my Jamaican crew and they said, yes, it was a zombie, but it's because of a drug, not magic. They said, people do this to people for revenge. And a few weeks later, I saw another one. It was an old woman that time. So that was a story on BuzzFeed. And it made me actually do some research about what in the world this drug would be that would turn somebody into a zombie. <laughs> yeah. So I did some research on zombies and what basically I started with their origin. The origin of zombies, which I had no idea actually dates back to ancient Greece um, during the ancient Greeks and may have been the first civiliza civilization that were terrorized by a fear of the undead. Uh, so archaeologists, they when they would do some digging and stuff like that, they unearthed many ancient graves, which contained oh. skeletons that were pinned down by rocks and other heavy objects, presumably to prevent the dead bodies from returning. Uh, so they would put these rocks like on these bodies in the graves because they had this fear, I guess, that the bodies were to come back from the dead. Wow. So and that dates back to 700 to 480 BC is okay. when they were finding that. But zombie folklore has actually been around for centuries in Haiti. 
which possibly originated in the 17th century. Mm-hmm. So we're going to fast forward to the 1980s where okay. a man by the name of Wade Davis, he was a Harvard University botany student in the 80s and was asked by his advisor to fly to Haiti and investigate whether there was any truth to the voodoo myth of zombies that had been circulating. So there had been all these myths that voodoo was involved and they were turning people into zombies. I hope there's some truth to this. Oh yeah, there is some truth. And it's very creepy. (laughs) But So he, he, after a series of expeditions... Over two and a half years he spent in Haiti doing research on this, and he returned to Cambridge with malaria, hepatitis, and the material Jeez. for a nonfiction book said to read like a spy novel and the secret <laughs> formula for creating zombies. And he, okay, so he says, he says, I left knowing nothing about the country and arrived with only my wits. I was lucky, extremely lucky. I opened a Pandora's box that consumed three years of my life. Uh, And he did actually write a book called The Serpent and the Rainbow. And they even turned it into a movie in the 80s, which is loosely based Mm. off the book. And I watched the trailer for it last night. And I was like, what am I watching right now? Like, it it was (laughs) crazy. I will definitely check that out. Serpent and the Rainbow. Serpent, Rainbow. Serpent and check. the Rainbow, yes. Um, okay. His book is based on, you know, off of the, his events in Haiti that he spent. And then, of course, like I said, they made the, the movie in the 80s. Uh, so the first thing he discovered was that voodoo and zombies were very different from the way that we think of zombies in the movies. Um, voodoo is a sophisticated religion with african roots it is practiced by the vast majority of haitians as well as people Mm -hmm. on other caribbean islands and in brazil and then he goes on to say that voodoo has a it has a system of medicine a system of education and a system of even law and order and that appears that this zombie thing may be linked to the whole system of social sanctions um, so zombies are not people that have risen from the dead, but instead they are people who have been given a drug that mimics death, paralyzing them and reducing their heart and breathing rates to almost nothing. Yet they still remain conscious. What? Yeah. Who would take this? Uh, they're kind of, they're forced to, and I'll get into that in a second. Okay. Um, okay. So Harvard Botanical Museum is the world's foremost institution for the study of psychoactive drugs, most mm-hmm. of which are made from plants. And as a graduate student at the museum, Davis, he was an expert on plant-derived pharmaceuticals. Um, so if there was any basis to the myth, experts reasoned it probably had something to do with the, a drug made from plants. Um, And as it turns out, the active ingredient in the secret formula for creation of zombies was a poison called tetrodotoxin. uh, And that is taken from puffer fish and is 500 times more powerful than cyanide. 
Wow. Um, it is the most powerful. Further proof. Further yes. proof that real life monsters live in the ocean. Oh yeah, for sure. Like that's that's wild that a little puffer fish has a deadly yeah whatever in its body. Anyway, says it's the, the most man. powerful non-protein poison in the world, and a drop that can rest on the head of a pin is enough to kill. Wow. So Davis, while he was there, he actually obtained a vial of this so-called zombie formula that they call it. And it's described as looking like dry black dirt. Okay. Uh, the formula also contains parts of toads, sea worms, lizards, tarantulas, and human bones. Hmm. <laughs> to which Davis says is basically a potpourri of weird things. <laughs> um the formula is thought to be ground into the skin of intended victims. So they are intentionally taking this formula, this potion, and putting it, like, grinding it into their victim's skin. What did the victims do to them? We'll get to that. <laughs> okay. Okay. I have so many questions. So they begin to feel nauseous and have difficulty breathing. Then they begin to get pins and needles feelings in their limbs, which progress to their whole body. They become paralyzed, and their blood pressure drops very low. Their lips turn blue for lack of oxygen, and the process takes about six hours. So high doses mm. of tetrodotoxin could cause someone to appear dead, but be buried alive. Now listen to this. They're buried alive, and then later revived. <gasps> And believe oh it or not, gosh. we do have recorded documents of such things happening where people have been buried alive, just like we oh. talked about last week. Yes. And then they are unburied and kind of brought back. The first medically documented oh case. Oh my gosh. That, uh. <laughs> the first medically documented case of a zombie was a victim named, and I, I may be butchering his name, but it's something like. Clervius Narciss is what I'm going to just say. <laughs> it's probably not it, no. but it's fine. <laughs> Clervius Narciss. That's what it looks like. <laughs> and he was, he was pronounced dead in 1962 by an American doctor who was living in Haiti. Narciss was buried, but in 1982, he returned to his hometown alive. His fingerprints were checked by Scotland Yard and matched those of the dead man, Davis said. Nurses told Haitian psychiatrist Dr. Lamarck Doyon facts about his family that only the dead man could have known. The victim said he remembers being pronounced dead, remembers hearing his sister crying at his funeral, and even Aww. remembers being buried. Uh, and then it says that night, a voodoo priest dug him up from his grave and put him on a plantation. He said he escaped, but did not return to his hometown for 20 years because he feared his brother, who he said had him made into a zombie in the first place. So apparently his sister had actually recognized him in the village and was the one that was like, hey, th this is my brother. Like, it's been 20 years and he's alive. And she couldn't believe it. So a, zoo, a, a voodoo priest had brought him back, like dug him up and brought him back. And traditionally, after being dug up, the victim would be given another formula, which was thought to be an antidote. 
But this is when Davis realized that if the victim had survived the initial crisis, that the original drug would eventually wear off, then no antidote would be needed. So what was it that they were giving this victim once they, like, dug him back up? So instead, the second drug may have actually been one that induces amnesia and psychosis, making the victim dependent on people who drugged him in the first place. Wow. And then Davis goes on to say that people are not made into zombies for just any reason, Usually they are accused of breaking strict voodoo codes. Secret societies Hmm. similar to groups in Western Africa hold tribunals to determine a person's guilt or innocence. And then if found guilty, the court orders that the formula be rubbed on their bodies. So they're held down and this formula, the zombie formula is rubbed all over them and they go through all this pain while being aware of it the whole time. Oh my gosh. And then are buried alive. <laughs> uh, and then re-dug up again at some point, apparently. And re-drugged again, basically as uh. a punishment. And are forced to into submission, basically, to follow them for the rest of their life type of deal. Um, wow. So he ends up publishing his findings in the Journal of Ethnopharmacology, a Swiss science journal concerned with the study of ancient drugs. And when news of the report appeared in Haitian newspapers, voodoo priests scoffed and said they did not believe that outsiders could have gotten hold of this well-guarded secret, that basically there was no way that they would have given up their secrets. But Davis says, explains that uh, he posed as a representative of the mafia in order to obtain the formula. (laughs) Wow. I mean, who's going to say no to Tony Soprano? I get it. (laughs) Exactly. I get it. You're going to give me, you're going to give me the zombie formula. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Intimidation will will get you what you need. (laughs) Uh, But... I mean, tetrodotoxin, it's a well-known poison being found in pufferfish, which I said, are you aware that people actually eat this, that they eat pufferfish? No. Okay. No. So it's eaten in China and Japan, and in Japan, special chefs are licensed to prepare prepare the fish. <gasps> And they wow. they remove enough of the poison to make it non-lethal, yet enough remains to make diners high. And what? just so you're aware, a pufferfish, if it is not cut properly, if the, uh, the, the, the chef makes one mishap in cutting that pufferfish, you can die. So you have to be licensed to oh, yeah. prepare this meal. Yes. Um, I wonder how much it is. If it's very costly. That I did not look up. It's it like is a cuisine. So it's a delicacy to fans of sushi. Uh, and it's called fugu is what it's called. F-U-G-U. Fugu. Um, it's largely banned in the U.S. But I did actually. It looked like in New York. They might have had some places where you could actually get puffer fish. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, certain locations where it's permitted and it can only be served by those with a license. 
Um, but there is enough toxin in one pufferfish to kill 30 adult humans. Wow. And there is no, no known antidote for this. <laughs> At all. It's wild. I seriously, I, I would, the, the ocean is so terrifying to me, like the deep ocean for that reason. Yeah. There are monsters in the ocean. Like that is, that's wild. This tiny little puffer fish can kill 30 human beings. Well, Davis, um, he's, he was saying that like they, when they, it's described as them feeling like euphoria and tingling up and down their spines and in their limbs. Um, and actually a hundred people die each year from puffer fish, eating puffer fish. From eating puffer fish? Yes. Why would you risk it? Why would you risk it? Yeah. It probably tastes like a normal fish, but it's one of those things that people are it's, like, just to say you did it. Or for kind of, it, I feel like it's kind of like playing Russian roulette. Like people get a kick out mm. of it. Like that type yeah, of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh. I mean, that just feels like a different kind of uh, risk. I don't like like skydiving. That seems like, yeah, like go for it. <laughs> you're you're getting something out of it. You're getting like a really fun time. But this, I don't I don't get why it's worth, it doesn't feel worth the risk. Oh, no, definitely not. But and, and back to like this whole zombie thing, too. I think, yeah, that's crazy that i i'm pretty sure like this is probably still happening today you know where people that are involved in like these voodoo societies or whatever are probably who knows (laughs) so what would you do if you saw someone walking towards you who looked like a zombie oh yeah be out of there faster (laughs) a man on fire you you wouldn't help? You wouldn't stop to help? I don't think there would be any helping at that point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair. I'd be gone. The more we do this podcast, the more I'm like, the pe- people do, we, why are people so terrible? The things we do to other human beings. Yeah. It just doesn't. That's like, what I said last week, too, when I, when I was reading about yeah. cannibalism. I was like, yes, I, yeah. I'm learning like so many crazy things that I never knew existed in this world. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like we just suck. Human beings suck. Oh yeah. We're just, we're All out there over. Just... Yeah. Yeah. We don't even have to be turning in people into zombies to know that we suck. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> that cheers my coffee to that. <laughs> <laughs> our our tagline for this podcast should be we suck. <laughs> <laughs> we suck and we know it yes we'll make a song out of it too we suck and <laughs> we suck. know it <laughs> <laughs> oh man i'm sure our, our listener rating would go down real quick if we started singing <laughs> we had a singing segment <laughs> okay we'll scratch that we'll scratch that but yeah anyway that's my story for this week so that was awesome that was absolutely awesome yeah (laughs) i'm ready to go eat me some puffer fish how about you oh no thanks i don't even really like fish other than salmon salmon's like you know i mean i'll I'll eat fish i just don't it's not like my favorite thing except for salmon. apparently it's a fan it's a thing for fans of sushi so if you're a fan of sushi and want to take a little risk uh go for it go find you some puffer fish (laughs) have fun (laughs) 
<laughs> and tell us if you survived. And if yeah. we haven't heard or- from you, we'll assume you haven't. So. <laughs> okay. Well, you ready for mine? I am. Okay. So I came across this one on the pretty controversial person, Joe Rogan's Instagram. Oh, okay. Yeah, so love him or hate him, I really don't care. Uh, but this guy, he posts a lot of interesting stuff that, like, he finds interesting. So he posted, he, like, screenshotted an article that said, MIT computer predicts world collapse in 2040. Um, then, like, the next photo showed an article that titled, Isaac Newton predicted that the world would end in 2060. Oh, didn't Nostradamus, so- too, like, predict? Ooh. I didn't know that one. I don't have that on my sure, list to cover. Like he predict has a prediction too, but I don't know. Is it close to this time frame? Uh, like in the You know what? I don't let me let me look it up. Oh, I found it. 3797. <laughs> yes, that's what I found too. Nostradamus uh was a French astrologer, physician, and reputed seer who is best known for his book's prophecies. Okay, so it sounds like this guy isn't really rooted in science. More so, I mean, he said physics, which is cool. But yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Isaac Newton, who basically discovered gravity um, for like intellectual science. But anyway. Okay, continue. Okay, so with that, looking at that, I that's what my story is going to be on because I was fascinated by it. And I, I just like personally wanted to do some digging into each of those and see what the reason was, especially because they were both so close together in time frame. And so here we go. So in 1973, um, some researchers at MIT developed a computer program called World One. Their objective was to basically simulate global sustainability. And they wanted to see how long, long Earth's limited resources would last based on population growth. So, I mean, it's pretty cool in theory. Like, I, it, uh, like what they did was some of the things that they measured were world population growth. Uh, rate of innovation, growth of consumerism, growth of agriculture, and rate of pollution. So the computer program took all of that stuff into a, account and then projected, okay, if this grow, if these continue to grow at this rate, this is where we're going to be in X amount of time. Okay. And there was an organization called the Club of Rome that was backing this project. And they really wanted this research to happen. Now, the Club of Rome was made up of high-level politicians from around the world. Some were from the UN, some were from governments, uh, who wanted a system that could predict the future so that they could get ahead of it and then capitalize on it. So kind of messed up, just like a bunch of rich dudes that were like, hey, how do we capitalize on the future? Can something tell us um, like?" how we can tap into the consumerism of people later on down the road. And in case you're curious, the club of Rome is still a thing. It's still a thing. Um, is that what you said? Yeah. It's still a thing. There's still, you can look up who the members are and everything. Huh. Uh, but the scientists who created the simulation were uh, prepared to see growth and like a bright, happy future. <laughs> but instead the world one program <laughs> predicted that the world would reach its peak in all areas above in the year 2020. Okay. Um, which is when things which started is, going downhill. 
<laughs> exactly, which made this so weird. And then they said, okay, so then the computer program said, once everything peaks, the quality of life for humans will begin to slowly decline, which like was really interesting and creepy that it predicted exactly what you just said, the peak time right at the time yep. when we were gearing up for the global pandemic. Yep. So like... <laughs> According to World One, that was our peak, and now we basically are just slowly declining. Um, due to predicted circumstances, it then predicted that humanity will come to an end near 2040 from various, quote, man-made events. Um, and then ABC did a sort of behind-the-scenes coverage of the research uh-huh. that went on in the lab, uh, and... Um, their commentary that they put up, um, said it great. They said, quote, what it does for the first time in man's history on the planet is to look at the world as one system. It shows that earth cannot sustain the present population and industrial growth for much more than a few decades. So that just like summarizes the, what the program did and what it projected. Okay. So if we were to take this seriously, what it tells us is that like the pandemic was just the beginning of what is coming our way. So then I wanted to look at the Sir Isaac Newton one because that's 2060. So I just thought it was weird that these two within 20 years apart, like that's not a lot of space in between. They might as well have predicted the same thing. Yeah. So Sir Isaac Newton himself, the man who basically invented I mean, not basically, he did invent calculus and defined the laws of gravity, uh, had some end-of-world predictions himself, but those were not rooted in computer programs or uh, even science. His predictions were rooted in the Bible. So Sir Isaac Newton was a devoutly religious sort of man. He used uh, Bible prophecy, specifically the book of Daniel, to come up with the year 2060. Uh, now if you have the patience to read through his like mathematical formula of how he got to that year, by all means have at it, do a quick Google search and you can pull it all up and just run wild with it. (laughs) Uh, but for the sake of this episode, I'm, I'm personally not fascinated by calculus. I don't understand it. So I'm going to leave all of that out. (laughs) I hate numbers. I hate numbers. Yeah. I hate numbers. (laughs) I understand the year 2060. That's as much as my number (laughs) mind can handle. (laughs) 2060. Got it. Um, so I'm going to leave all that out, but, um, I'll just say that he ended his research. So he, when he was done with his research, he ended it by saying, Quote, it will end in AC, so after Christ, 2060. It may end later, but I see no reason for it to end sooner. And what I thought was really interesting, though, about him was his main intent of doing his whole research Mm -hmm. was not to assert that, like, he knew the exact time that the world would end. But uh, at his time, I guess there were a lot of people who were constantly saying they knew when the world was going to end and they would cause a ton of fear and they knew it was going to end through a cosmic apocalypse or through some sort of divine intervention. Yeah, I mean, uh, we and- see that all throughout history, though. People <laughs> saying that, like, oh, the world is going to end on such and such a date. And yes. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. I feel like we've seen it in our time, like, oh, multiple yeah. times in our time period. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I feel like every couple years there's somebody that's been like, this is it, this year, this is the yes. year where it's going to end on May yep. 21st. Uh, yeah, we need to all be prepared. 
<laughs> go out and grab your canned food because that'll really or, help or like you. the your y2k ten- back when people thought yes. the world was gonna end during you know the y2k when the year year flipped over all of a sudden to 2000 yep. the world would suddenly end on that day <laughs> yes which oh my gosh i we i mean we talked about this the other day like mom yeah. went out and grabbed like <laughs> some canned food and <laughs> filling the filled up the water. bathtub <laughs> It was just, it was a wild time. It was a wild time. It was, time. and people didn't have, like, the internet like they do now to... Yeah. yeah. Self-educate. Yeah, self-educate, exactly, which can be a good thing or a bad thing, I guess, if you or go the other thing. way, but... Totally. Um, yeah, so you were listening to basically what you heard on the news, like, hey, you need to get prepared, you need to... You know, make sure you have food, make sure you have water and people hear that and they're like, oh, like something's going to happen. <laughs> hmm. Yes. And then everyone, I mean, we saw it through COVID and then oh, yeah. everyone goes out and buys all the toilet paper. Yeah. And then there's nothing for everyone else. It's just, it's, let's go back to what we said earlier. People suck. <laughs> no. <laughs> yes. What is it? We suck. Yes, we suck. We do. <laughs> yep. <laughs> anyway, so, see, so like all of that, Sir Isaac Newton, he was just he was irritated by all of that and he did this research to shut them up okay so it was his way of saying well guys like stop predicting it it's it's not going to be till at least 2060 like there's no reason for it to come sooner so let's just stop with this okay um now newton didn't believe the world was going to end at the same way that the mit program believed that it would um his theory somewhat resembled what current day evangelicals believe so he believed that christ would return on earth uh and right on earth and set up quote a flourishing and everlasting kingdom so two different ideas two different theories both in the same time frame uh apocalyptic in nature um yeah so no matter what you believe it's just interesting to think about that the two timelines came together and if it's to be said we're living in some weird times that's for sure oh yeah definitely i was looking at nostradamus it did say too that he he did base some of like his predictions off of bible prophecy as well but mm-hmm. I was trying to see, because I feel like there were some predictions that people were saying that had come true. It says, Nostradamus's predictions for 2022 were cannibals, robots, and the rise of cryptocurrency, which that we Stop. do see. So that's interesting. Wait, Nostradamus predicted that in 2022? Yes, he predicted that for 2022. Yes. Cannibals, robots, and cryptocurrency. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Definitely. <laughs> whoa that's honestly i'm blown away that they even thought of cryptocurrency exactly i mean the fact i'm looking or what, even he was born robots in at that time i mean yes we're talking 1503 yes. is when this man was born and how did they even conceptualize <laughs> what that was that's right crazy so weird times we're living in them and it's only gonna get weirder that's it that's it. It's the end of the world. End of the world. It's, it's the, the end, end of the world, of the world as we know it. <laughs> okay. See, guys, we told you we'd have more songs for you. <laughs> Only more to come. Stay tuned. Okay, I have a question. It kind of goes back to, okay, so it's like a would you do this Okay. Thing. Your story made me think of this. Okay. So, and you and I have, I think we've kind of talked about this, but um, maybe your answer has changed. I you know, 
there, if anyone's ever listened or watched American Horror Story, last season, they had the Red Tide season. One of the things that came up was there was a pill that you could take. And they offered you the pill. And if you took the pill and uh, and you had talent, if you had talent, well, even if it was just a little bit of talent, like say you just didn't know how to tap into it, whatever, but you, you were a talented person and you took the pill, you would become exuberantly talented. Like, like just, it would, it was like drugs for your talent. I don't know. <laughs> but the other option was if you took it, you would become exactly kind of like what you were describing, like this creepy zombie living dead thing. Uh, But that's if you didn't have talent. So you, by taking it, were really, you were gambling. You were like, I'm either going to be the creepiest zombie night of the living dead person for the rest of my life. And there's no way out, right? And there's no way out. I mean, they do a great job at like like (laughs) showing it, but or you take the pill and you like have a great happy life and you know your talent is only exasperated. Do you take the pill or not? I do not. I don't mess around when it comes to stuff like that. No. <laughs> <laughs> You're like absolutely not. I would not. No, because I'm a non-talented person, so I know. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sure. I, I I bet myself and our two listeners all beg to differ with that. <laughs> you make me laugh all the time. That's talent. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> Would you take it? Um, ugh. D- I, Dylan and I have had this conversation so many times. Um, I originally, I was like, no, absolutely not. Because I'm not, cre- I'm not creative in like an artistic way. Okay. But then I think about it and I'm like, but I am creative in a more like, like in a different way, you know, like I can create strategies, like I'm creative in my workspace, in spaces that I'm comfortable in. Right. Um. So I feel like maybe I'm like a hard 75% I would take it. <laughs> and then if I'm a zombie... I mean, just put me out of my misery. It's okay. (laughs) You're willing to take that risk. (laughs) I mean, what's life without a little bit of risk? Uh, Like, at what stage in your life would you consider that? Would it be, like, in the prime of your life, like, now? Or would it be more... Oh, it'd have to be now. I'd want to do it now. Okay. So now closer to, like, where you're almost dead anyway, so you could care less either way type of thing. Gosh, but you know what you say that? I'm kind of like, there was a woman in the show, and she took it later in her life. She's, like, 65. Mm -hmm. And she takes it, and she ends up becoming this world-renowned author. Oh. And that's pretty cool. So I could also see that, taking it later on so that's a good question maybe i would do it later that's intriguing it's but still yeah, a hard no question. for me <laughs> hard pass on the drugs say no to drugs kids yes say no to drugs and if somebody's trying to rub it all your bodies run run as far away as you can because <laughs> then they're gonna bury you alive and also call the police, because that sounds like no one should be trying to rub things on your body, no. okay, without your consent. No. And don't try to rub things on people's bodies without their consent. Because it's just weird. It goes both ways. Yeah, it's just weird. Don't be weird. And if you have enjoyed any of our podcasts today, even just a teeny weeny portion of it, 
then the best thing you can do to support us is to leave us a review on whatever platform you get your podcast from. Thanks for listening to us crazy pod sisters. I'm Chris. And I'm Liz. Later, pod people. Bye.